I'm Matt Mantione at TIA's National Headquarters, and we are pleased to welcome you to the Transportation Intermediaries Association's TIA Delivers Podcasts. TIA, the trusted voice for third-party logistic companies of all sizes. Thank you for joining us. In this episode, we sit down with Beth Carroll, founding partner of Prosperio Group, a business consulting firm that focuses on the strategic management of compensation for global transportation and logistics companies. Beth is based in Chicago, Illinois, and has over 20 years of experience developing incentive compensation plans for companies across the globe in a variety of industries. We hear from Beth's perspective into the four-part series she recently wrote from the most recent issue of TIA's 3PL Perspectives magazine. And thanks to our podcast sponsor, the TIA Foundation, influencing 3PL growth and profitability for over 40 years. We're excited for Beth to join us, and this is an episode you don't want to miss. Here we go. Hey, Beth. So thanks again for joining us. We're really excited to have you on the podcast, and I know our listeners are equally as excited to have you. So let's get right into it. In the first installment, you mentioned three viable options for approaching the calculation of sales commissions. Can you give us a breakdown of those three methods you discussed? Sure. So basically, the first fundamental thing that anybody has to think about when they're deciding that they're going to do a commission approach to incentive compensation is how are they going to handle any sort of fixed compensation or salary component to it? There's really three kind of approaches that are common in the freight brokerage world. The first would be a draw, and I'm not saying it's the first because it's the most common. It just is one that exists out there. In fact, I think it's fading out of existence um, in terms of favor. So that's probably good. But the way a draw works is basically you calculate the commission as if there is nothing else. So you just have a commission rate and you calculate out what the commission would be. And then you subtract any money that may have been advanced to the individual during the, typically it's a month, during the month. If there is a positive value left over, they get that as additional incentive compensation. So it's basically just saying we know we have to pay people a fixed amount of money for them to be able to pay their you know, mortgage payments, rent payments, car payments, that kind of thing. But we really don't want to pay them a salary per se. Instead, we just want to have it be literally an advance against their commissions. It's called a draw. And then it is deducted from their actual commission calculation, which is typically done at the end of the month. Sometimes draws can be done on like a two-week period, but it's most common to have it be done monthly. Um, That approach can be done one of two ways. You can either have what's called a recoverable draw or a non-recoverable draw. So recoverable draw means that if when you do the calculation at the end of the month, that calculation is in fact negative. So their commission calculation did not cover the amount of money that they were advanced then the negative balance is carried forward and added into the amount that they have to cover the next month. A non-recoverable draw simply means that a negative is zeroed out. So there is no negative carried forward into the next month. It is in essence then paying them a salary that is then just deducted from their commission calculation. The challenge with doing a draw approach is it creates two um, equal opposing forces in terms of pressure where you have to have a commission rate that is high enough to be able to cover a draw in a reasonable period of time. You don't want to have somebody be not covering their draw for three years on the job because they haven't hit a productivity level that would produce enough money to cover the draw, which means you end up having to use an artificially high commission rate. So you might find yourself pushing into like 
north of 15%. Sometimes it's very common to be like 20%, 25%, 30% even commission rate because you have to generate enough money from the commission to be able to reasonably cover the amount of money that you're providing them in a draw within a reasonable amount of time on the job. The other thing that that does is that puts downward pressure on the amount of money that you are giving them as a draw. So you want that to be as small a number as possible so that they can be covering it so you can have a smaller commission rate um, and not find yourself in a situation where somebody who's doing really well under the plan is now being paid a lot because they have a very high commission rate. That can be problematic though because now you might not be providing sufficient enough income to actually be able to recruit people if they're comparing your job to other positions that are paying a higher fixed salary approach even with a lower commission rate. So using a draw creates these two opposing forces that actually work against each other and they make it very, very hard to change your plan in the future going forward. Method number two is a seat cost calculation. And that's basically where you take a multiple of somebody's salary. In this case, it really is a salary. And you say they do not start to earn incentive compensation until they have covered that multiple. Typically, it's like two and a half to three times, something like that. And then they start earning incentive above that. So the difference here is that you're, you're calculating their salary and then you're applying a multiple to it in terms of gross margin. So it is, and gross margin is the typical thing that is used in the freight broker world. You don't typically use revenue to calculate uh, commission. Instead, you use gross margin. So you're saying, for example, if their salary, I'll just use easy numbers, if their salary is $3,000 a month, then you would say if they have to cover that two times, they are not going to get paid anything for the first $6,000 of gross margin. And when they go above $6,000, that's where they start to earn incentive money. If you had a three times multiple, obviously, it would be $9,000 before they start to earn incentive compensation. And typically, the commission rate is then calculated on all of the dollars above that threshold. It's not usually retroactive back to the first dollar. This has some advantages over the draw approach. For one, you are using a, um, typically it ends up being a smaller number that has to be, to be cleared before you start to get into incentive compensation because you're not calculating the draw as a, as a factor in the commission calculation itself. Instead, you're just using a multiple of the salary to determine a threshold where before which no incentive pay is earned and after which incentive pay starts. So they start to earn money. Typically, they earn money sooner under a um, salary multiple approach, unless you have something you know, like five times multiple or something like that. Um, and you don't have to have as high a commission rate on it because you are providing more guaranteed compensation for them. So you can pull the commission rate down a little bit. The third method is a lot like the second, except it is basically the two numbers are disconnected from one another. So there's a threshold in the plan and there's a salary, but there's not a direct mathematical relationship between those two. It is simply that you have said for somebody in this role who is making X amount of money that they will need to be um, producing a certain amount of money before they start to earn their incentive compensation. Now, you may at some point in the design process have said that, you know, we're going to tie this to a midpoint of the salary and that we expect a certain productivity level to go along with that midpoint. But there's no direct mathematical connection. So you can give somebody a raise in their salary and it does not directly influence the threshold that they have in their incentive plan. Whereas under the salary multiple approach, it would. If you gave somebody a raise in their salary, now their threshold is going to go up. 
And so oftentimes they'll just say, you know what, keep the salary raise. I don't want it. I would rather start earning my commissions at a sooner point along the way, which might sound good, except when you realize that you've now um, eliminated a source of motivation. So you can't give somebody a salary increase as a reward for doing a good job without it also coming across as a negative. So of the three approaches, the most flexible and the one that provides the best psychological benefit for your staff is to use a salary plus a threshold that is not directly mathematically related to the salary. Thanks, Beth. I appreciate you diving into those three options um, for approaching sales commissions. Let's get into the second question we discussed earlier. So in the recently released part two of the series, you discussed the methods of commission calculation that combine with cost covering to help build the foundation of a unique incentive plan. So with over 18 combinations of methods, what do you feel is the most important factor in determining which plan will work for whom? Hmm, that's a very difficult question because it really there are so many different combinations that you actually can apply them to different circumstances. So it really is going to come down to what you are trying to accomplish with your compensation plan, which is why I always say you need to begin at the beginning. And that's don't even ask about what the commission rate is, really don't even think about the mechanics of how you want to calculate the compensation plan until you've gotten very clear on what your business strategy is, what your strategic priorities are, and what your roles are. You really need to define those things first and make sure that you are aligning compensation to support your strategy and your roles and your job definitions, your workflow, all of that kind of stuff. And then you can kind of figure out that some mechanical choices are going to make more sense than other mechanical choices. Now, that being said, in the second article, I do go through the different types of commission calculations that you can do once you've sort of figured out how you're going to handle the salary part of the equation, um, you can have a straight commission, you can have a retroactive commission rate, or you can use what's called a progressive commission rate. And of those three, I definitely tend to prefer the progressive commission rate than the other two, but there are certainly times where the other two are the right thing to do as well. So just a quick overview of what they are. A straight commission rate is, is exactly what it sounds. There's just one rate, say 10%, and that's what they get paid Sometimes it's on all dollars, sometimes it's above a threshold. Um, and it's very simple, it's very easy to communicate. That's one of the beauty, beautiful things of a straight commission rate. But it's really, really hard to change if you decide that the economics of the plan are not working for you anymore. So what some companies will do when they're in that situation is they will actually um, take on a tax or they may call it an overhead charge or something like that where they're doing a deduction out of the gross margin dollars before they are calculating the commission rate. It accomplishes the same thing that a couple of the other methods do. It just does it in more of, an, of a behind the scenes kind of way that unfortunately can cause sales reps to have a lot of distrust in how the plan is calculated, particularly if that overhead charge or that tax is changing from person to person or from time to time, um, then they might feel like that's just a sleight of hand that's being used to take money away from them. So it's actually better if you use production tiers, and that can be done either in a retroactive way or a progressive way. So retroactive would be when you get to the higher level of production, you get a higher commission rate and it goes back to the first dollar. Progressive would be basically like taxes. So within a tier, 
you get paid a commission rate for the dollars within that tier, but it does not go back to preceding tiers. So at higher levels of production, you could end up with very high commission rates, but you're not, from an economics perspective, there's little risk to the company because you, even if you put something you know wild and crazy out there like 50%, you're only paying it on the dollars that are above that very high production level. So it's probably not going to be applicable to that many people and if you look at what the overall effective commission rate is, the total amount that you paid out divided by the total of production, that would be your effective rate. That's going to be a much, much lower number. Okay, so you don't have to worry that you're actually, oh my God, we can't pay 50%. You're not paying 50%. That's just the highest commission rate that is showing on the table. And I'm using that as an extreme example. Um, but you would typically, you know, if you've built your table up from a very low level, your effective rate might end up being something like 15%. So it just really depends on how you want the payout curves to look, how enticing you want it to be at that high level. And you have to do some pretty serious economic modeling to make sure that your costs are going to come out where you expect them to come out at different productivity levels. So one thing to keep in mind that the retroactive commission rate can be very motivational because there's an extra kicker when they get into that next tier because that additional commission rate is applied to all of the preceding dollars. That also can be an enticement for them to cheat, however. So you have to really look at your plan and make sure that you are tracking it and that you're checking to make sure that your people aren't buying and selling loads from each other in the parking lot. Because if you have a retroactive plan, I guarantee you somebody has figured out how to cheat the plan. Because one additional dollar of production for them can mean hundreds of additional dollars of commission in their pocket if they get over that tier before the end of the month. So you need to be very careful about that. Thanks, Beth. Really appreciate that explanation. So just kind of to finish this off, what can you share with our listeners? What can you tell our listeners as far as what they can expect to learn more about in the third installment that is releasing this May? Yes. So in the third installment, I go into one very specific calculation mechanic that I use a lot with freight brokers, and that's a matrix. And the reason why it's so popular among freight brokers is that, that um, you guys are always pulling you have two different things pulling against each other often. So for example, gross margin dollars versus gross margin percentage, right? Or gross margin dollars versus load count or load count versus gross margin percentage, right? These things are constantly in tension with one another where you might have somebody who's doing really well on one factor, but doing very poorly in another factor. And what you really want is them to do well on both. And so a matrix basically allows you to put two things into one incentive compensation mechanic. So you have a vertical axis and you have a horizontal axis. And for example, you may have gross margin dollars as your vertical axis and gross margin percentage as your horizontal axis. Now imagine you've got maybe nine buckets in each one of those axes. And so you've got 81 different cells inside the matrix that you could potentially use to deliver pay to people. You can deliver pay in the form of a commission rate. So you could have 81 different commission rates in that table. You could deliver it in terms of a fixed dollar amount. You could deliver it in terms of a percentage of target incentive amount, which is helpful if you have people in multiple levels in the organization using the same table. But let's just focus on the commission rate example. So the idea here is if you've got somebody who's right in the middle of the table, 
maybe they're going to get a 10% commission rate. That's what you've decided is your target and is your target pay level. Your target incentive amount would be 10%. If they're in the upper right-hand corner where they're doing really well on gross margin dollars and really well on gross margin percentage, maybe their commission rate is going to be something like 12.5% or 13%. So not only is it going to be applied to a higher dollar amount because they've now done better on their gross margin dollar production, but they're going to get a higher commission rate on that value as well. You can also take the uh, dimensions of the matrix and have one axis be based on individual performance and the other axis be based on team performance. So it gives you a way to blend individual and team within the same component. So you could say, for example, have individual gross margin dollars and team load count. That's a great way to handle carrier sales because you want them to always be working together as a team to try to cover those really hard loads and even those loads that may move at a loss. So you give them credit to the team load count dimension while you're also counting them based on their individual gross margin dollar production because you certainly don't want to pay somebody out on the team who actually didn't do much to carry their own weight. So having the two dimensions on the matrix really gives you a way to make sure that you're accounting for different factors that may be pushing and pulling against one another. Thanks, Beth. We really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to your third installment to be released this May. So thank you again. You're welcome. Take care. Thanks again to Beth Carroll for joining us today. And we appreciate her support and insight into sales commission methods and strategies for TIA members and the 3PO community. Please visit TIANet.org if you'd like to learn more about how TIA and TIA membership can help your business grow and be more profitable. And again, thanks to our sponsor, the TIA Foundation, for being a valued partner in the production of this podcast. Mm -hmm.